okay? Um, Kathy gave a quote. It says, mercy is seeing the suffering of others and doing something about it. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? While in heaven, he saw the condition of earth. He saw the suffering of mankind. And God said, we're going to do something about it. Isn't that mercy? Isn't that, isn't that awesome? The depiction of this, this adoption story and what Christ has done for us. Kathy also said something um, that I thought was pretty potent, and she quoted uh, the scripture out of Corinthians, is that I feel compelled to act like my father. Isn't that a good thing? Isn't that what, what really what we're supposed to do as Christians? You know that word Christian means Christ-like? So when we tell people, hey, we're Christians, we're actually saying, hey, Ken, I'm like Christ. Isn't that, isn't that change like a, 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 the feeling of that? You tell someone out at Walmart, and they're like, hey, you know, what religion are you? And you're like, hey, I'm like Christ. And people are going to look like, like you're crazy, right? Because it's hard to say we're like Christ knowing how bad we are. <laughs> but when we are in Christ, how many of you know that we have the freedom and the victory to say we are like Christ? Isn't that awesome? To be in Christ means that we're able to act like our Father. We're able to accomplish things like our Father accomplished for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 reads like this. For you have not received a spirit of slavery. Say slavery. You have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption. Say adoption. A spirit of adoption as sons, or you could say as children, by which we cry out, listen, church, Abba, Father. Can you say Abba, Father? Abba, Father, this, this term we see in, in the New Testament three times. Abba, Father. Paul uses it twice. We see Jesus use it once in the Garden of Gethsemane. And some of you might remember this prayer in Mark chapter 14. Uh, they came, Mark chapter 14, verse 32 says, They came to a place named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here until I have prayed. And he took with him Peter, James, and John, and began to be very distressed and troubled. Who was distressed and troubled? Jesus. Jesus, knowing what lied before him, the cross that he was going to have to endure, became distressed and troubled in his humanity. And, and he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And he went a little beyond them. He fell to the ground and he began to pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass him by. And I don't know if you, you, you really get the picture of what's happening here. Jesus knows that he is going to the cross. He knows what he's going to have to endure on the cross because he and the Father created this plan in heaven. God says, you're going to have to go and rescue the rest of my children. And the only way to do it is to be the only sacrifice that would end all other sacrifice. You, the pure and holy lamb, will be slain on a cross as the last sacrifice for all sins, for all, for all time, so it will finally be finished. Say, it, it will be finished. And Jesus now, looking ahead, 
being fully man and yet fully God, and we don't, we don't know how to wrestle that because none of us are God, but fully man, knowing the anguish he was about to endure, was asking his father, if there's any way, if there's another way, can this cup pass me by? Meaning, God, there was no other sacrifice. Listen to me, church. There was no other religion that would give us a pathway back to our Heavenly Father. There was only one way, and that one way was paved by Jesus through his blood and his life that was given up on the cross. No other way. Because if there was another way, church, please hear me. Wouldn't our heavenly Father have said, no, there's another way, son? Wouldn't he have? Wouldn't a good father have said, yes, son, there is another way? But we know there wasn't. He fell on the ground and began to pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass him by. Verse 36, and he was saying, and listen, church, it says, Abba, Father. And that word is, is, is such a term of endearment between us and our Heavenly Father. It, it would be like saying, Daddy. It would be like saying, Papi. Is there another way? Papa, is there another way? Is there a way for us to secure salvation for all mankind once and for all without me having to do this? Daddy, please. All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. He says, Lord, if you can remove this cup from me, but at the end of the day, God, Father, not what I want. Let it be what you want. This line, this prayer was the heart of our Savior. The heart of the one and only Son of God. This, this is the heart of Jesus. Lord, I'm willing to make the sacrifice, but I know it's going to be a rough road. And if you could pass it from me, please, Lord, take it from me. But if not, not my will, your will. And when we think about being Christ-like, this is what the life of a Christian is. When we say yes to God, we are saying no to everything else. When we say yes to God, what we are saying is, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. I like what John the Baptist said when he was ministering in, and he sees Jesus, right? And there began to be these weird ministry competitions because Jesus' disciples were, were tripping out on, on John um, the Baptist's disciples. And they were like, hey, this guy's baptizing and, and we're baptizing. Who gave that guy permission to baptize? And, you know, there's all these weird things happening. And John the Baptist looks at Jesus and says, he must increase and I must decrease. I mean, everything about him needs to rise and everything about me needs to die. And that's the life of a Christian. And he came, verse 37, and he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came to the third time and said to them, are you sleeping? Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough that the hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. This, this term of, of, of Abba Father has, has absolutely gripped me. Just understanding this intimacy that Jesus had with our Heavenly Father and knowing the intimacy that Jesus actually secured on our behalf with the Father. You see, the, the, the story that, that Eddie shared about those adoption papers, it, it is such a real thing when it comes to being a Christian because when you become part of the Christian family, you become a co-heir of Christ. You say co-heir. And a co-heir of Christ means everything that has been promised to Jesus has also been promised to you. And can you imagine that that was secured by Jesus himself? Jesus himself dying on the cross made a way to bring you into a reconciled relationship with the heavenly father so that you can have a full inheritance just like he did. Isn't that amazing? This, this, this intimacy that Jesus had with the father, he actually gave to us. I wonder if we are cherishing the intimacy with our father like Christ did. You see, Christ knew who to call upon when he was in trouble. When we read that Habba Father, when we read Jesus knowing he's going to the cross, knowing that he was in a time of distress, knowing that, that he was about to face death, he cries out, Abba Father. The next time in scripture we hear Jesus cry out, is actually on the cross. It's in Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, and that reads like this. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. Say with a loud voice. And I, I'm asking you to say with a loud voice because I want you to feel what's happening here. You probably have seen the movie Passion of the Christ. Jesus is on the cross. He's been nailed. He's been beaten. He's dripping with blood. He's he's he's. He's, he's weak, he's, his body's draining out of him, he's dehydrated, and he cries out with a loud voice. And he says this, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The time before this, he, he cries out to his father, Abba, Father. And now he's crying, God, why have you forsaken me? Because all of the sin that he took upon his life as a sacrifice was now pinned to his being. All past sins and all future sins of mankind were placed upon him so that he would be the ultimate sacrifice. And as that nastiness, as that sin and that darkness, as all, all of that 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 hate, all of that anger, all of, all of every sin you can think of that was plastered on him as Father God was in heaven looking down at his son. He couldn't even look at him. 
Most scholars say, and I believe that this was the only time, the only time, the only time in history, and and I'm not talking human history, I'm talking about heavenly universal history, that Jesus was separated from his father. Now, some of you, maybe like me, didn't grow up with a dad, and so you, 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 kind of, you kind of know what that's like to be separated from a father. But when you've always had your father, and then your father has to turn his back to you, I'm telling you, that is a lasting impression. You see, most of us as, as children, if you didn't have a dad in your home, you just kind of learn to live without him, right? Mom becomes everything to you. Right? Or maybe it's, it's grandparents become whoever is, is, that, is that, that substitute for the, for the real thing. And, and, and tell me, I, I believe today that there are amazing substitutes. But I'm telling you, there is nothing like having dad at home. And for Jesus to be separated from his heavenly father for the first time, it was crushing. And there was nothing he can do but cry out and say, Father, Why have you forsaken me? And the reason why he was forsaken was because of us. It was because of our sin. That sin that was plastered on his being, God had to turn his eyes away from his son. I love what the commentator says, Matthew Henry, about this verse. It says how he uttered it was with a loud voice describing his anguish and his pain. Knowing he had to scream out. There was a, he, he, I mean, if you've never been abandoned, I mean, do you, do you, have you remember being lost at Zodi's when you were a kid? Or Jemco, right? If you kids don't know what those stores are, don't worry about it. Yeah, it'd like, be like getting lost at Walmart. Have you ever seen a kid freak out when they're lost, when they can't find their parents? I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's crazy, right? Jesus screaming, screaming. This was actually a prophetic word fulfilled in Joel chapter 3, verse 15. It says, the Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth tremble. One thing some scholars have said is that that saying that, was, that Jesus actually proclaimed from the cross comes from Psalms um, chapter 22. And listen to this, church. This was written way before Christ even entered the earth. It says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I have no rest. Yet you are holy and you are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. In you, our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and you and were delivered. In you, they trusted and were not disappointed. But, but I am a worm. And and, and not a man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. All who see me sneer at me. They separate with their lips. They wag their heads saying, commit yourself to the Lord. Let him deliver you. Let him rescue you because he delights in him. Yet you are he who brought me forth from the womb. You made me trust when when upon my mother's breast. Upon you 
I was cast from birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. But not far from me, are, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They open wide their mouth at me as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a postcard, and my tongue cleaves to my jaw. And you lay me in the dust of death, for dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers have encompassed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all of my bones. They look, they stare at me, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, be not far off. They div- I'm sorry. But you, O Lord, are not far off. O you, my help, hasten to my assistance. Deliver my soul from the sword, my only life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, from the horns of the wild oxen. You answer me. Now, in the heart of quoting Psalm 22, you can hear in the spirit Christ's cry to the Lord for his help. And if you can't hear, see the prophetic images that David scripted thousands of years before of what would take place with Christ on the cross in a fulfillment of, of, of all that had been prophesied over his life. I'm telling you, Jesus was the fulfillment of the entire Old Testament. And the things that took place on that cross, at that cross moment, the fulfillment of prophecies that took place are all culminating in a time for such as this today. Christ died on a cross 2,000 years ago. And he died on a cross 2,000 years ago to secure salvation once and for all, for all mankind. Many have debated it, but the proof to me is in the pudding. No one has been able to silence the gospel message for 2,000 years. People will tell you that other religions are the fastest growing religion and all these other kind of statistics that go out. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is the only person the only God who changes lives today. Jesus Christ is the only God who has claimed to raise people from the dead. There is no one else who says, I am God, other than Jesus, who has surfaced himself in a way that is tangible. This Bible alone is mind-boggling when you think about the historic factors that took place here that people have been trying to disprove for centuries. The prophetic image of the cross isn't this surreal thing is is it was a story that happened to give us this moral kind of thing that helps us get to a place it was historic and it took place jesus died and he resurrected and today the power of that resurrection is available for you and i if you're with me say amen Amen. galatians chapter 4 verses 5 through 7 says say this god sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law God sent Jesus to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law. And what the law was was a set of rules that you and I could never live up to. 
thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And I don't know about you, but when I was younger, you told me not to do something, that's what I was doing. Jesus came and he flipped that thing on his head and he says, we're going to do away with the thou shalt not. And we're going to start living like thou shalt. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And here's the second one. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because if you do those two things, you'll fulfill all of the other Ten Commandments. So Jesus came and bought freedom, brought freedom to us who were slaves to the law, so that he, listen to this, so that he could adopt us as his own, what? Children. So that God can adopt us as his own children. And because we are his children, look at your neighbor and say, we are his children. God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. He has sent what? The spirit, the Holy Spirit into our hearts, prompting us to call out. And here we are, church. Abba, Father. Now you and I, because of what Jesus did, get to call out to our heavenly father, just as personal, just as intimate, just, just, just as, as Jesus did on those times of his distress. And we get to call upon our daddy. Our Heavenly Father. We cry out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave. Say, I'm no longer a slave. But God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. I don't know about you, but I've never felt like an heir to anything, right? I think I'm going to get bills when my ancestors pass, right? Uh, but, But in the kingdom... We're heirs to the throne of God. Look at your neighbor and say, you're royalty. (laughs) We're the priesthood of all believers, right? This is understanding that God calls us a royal priesthood, a royal priesthood. And and I don't know about you, but my my life had never felt special before Jesus. But now that we are in this this heir kind of position, we have complete access to the throne room of God. We have complete access to intimacy with God. But here, Paul uses that term, Abba, Father. And it takes a crying out. It takes a you and me acknowledging that we need that intimacy with the Heavenly Father. It takes us being humble enough to say, God, I cannot do this on my own. I've done it on my own for so long, and I've made a mess of my life. And I don't want to make a mess anymore. I want to turn to you. I'm crying out to you, God, Abba, Father, come. I remember when Vanessa and I first took, took Judah and Mackenzie into our home in foster care before we adopted them. Determined in my heart for these two that any time that they called in the middle of the night, any time during the day, that I would get there as soon as possible without fail. Now with my own children, I didn't do that. When they were little, Vanessa breastfed them, and I couldn't do anything about it. So Vanessa had to go answer all those calls. But these two children, they, they, they weren't our natural children. And, and Mackenzie, when she was a baby, Vanessa couldn't satisfy her with, with breastfeeding. And I just had determined in my heart, if they called, I was going to be there no matter what. I would be the one to get up. I would be the one to carry that load. Anytime they called, I wanted to be the one to be there. And honestly, I said something in motion that I wish I can reverse, but I can't. 
Because most kids call mom. Mackenzie calls dad. That doesn't make me more special. Judah's pretty strong. He doesn't cry. He's, he's a pretty solid boy. He doesn't cry out much. But, but when Mackenzie cries, she cries for dad. Because I made it a point when she was little, because I know that her earthly father wasn't going to be there, that I was going to take that place, and I never wanted her to feel the absence of a father. And it's the same with God. God never wanted you to feel the absence of a father. And so maybe you've been accustomed to calling on something else. Maybe you've been accustomed to calling on the drugs. Maybe you've been accustomed to calling on, you know, that, that partner that, that, that satisfies all of your needs. Maybe you're accustomed to calling on, on the booze. Maybe you're accustomed to calling on a human thing that was never meant to fill the place of your heavenly father. And here... In Galatians, Paul is reminding us he's here and he's available to you and he was made available to you by what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever. And I love that because it starts with whoever. Look at someone say whoever. Whoever. That means anyone. That means anyone and everyone. That means the person that you believe doesn't deserve God, that person. That means even you who believe like if you ever walked in a church, God was going to strike you dead. Yeah, that means you too. I have so many people I invite to church and like, nah, man, I don't feel like getting hit by lightning. Like, really? Don't you know how much God loves you? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, whoever. But then there's a response, right? Calls. Whoever calls. Whoever calls. Have you called on the Lord? Have you called on the name of the Lord? Have you, have you been in such a place where you're so, so much distressed that you've had to call on your heavenly father? This is also an echo from Joel chapter 2, and it says, and it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Will be saved. This morning I believe that the Lord's asking. Beckoning. His children to come to the altar. Recognize the sacrifice that was made. Call on your father, and you will be saved. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. We're going to take communion this morning. And as we take communion this morning, I want us to remember that these elements that are here, this juice and this bread, In and of themselves, there's, there's nothing holy about them. They were purchased at a market, probably Welsh's and some Hawaiian bread. But the significance of what they represent. When Jesus took these elements, he said, this is my body. And he broke that bread and he said, this bread is broken just like my body was broken for you.
This is my blood. And he took the wine. My blood that will be poured out for you. And as you and I participate in, in receiving this communion, what we are saying is, Lord, we receive you fully as Christ and what you have accomplished on the cross, meaning we have cried out to you for our salvation. In the Bible, there's a point in Jesus' ministry where he begins to speak to them about the body and the blood. And, and unless you've partaken in my, of my body, unless you've partaken of my blood, that you cannot be a part of me. Scripture also says that when disciples heard that, many of them walked away from him. And the reason why they walked away is because what they were saying is, Lord, we are not willing to, to participate in that kind of sacrifice. You see, when you come to Christ, it is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of your old man. It's a sacrifice of your sin nature. It's a sacrifice of everything that Jesus died for. And when you weigh it up like that, really, is it, is it, is it a sacrifice? I want you to prepare your hearts before we take communion. And the first thing I would like to do is to ask you to just close your eyes. This morning, I don't know everyone here, but I know that you're here for a reason. I know that somehow the Spirit of God compelled you to be here this morning. It may be like, oh, it's Easter. It's supposed to be in church. Well, for me and God, that's good enough today. But I think the bigger reason why you're here is because you had an appointment with Jesus today. And if you have never received Christ as your Savior, if you have never repented from your sin and, and accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity this morning because before you leave this place, I want to know that you are in right standing with God. And according to what we read this morning, all it takes is for you to cry out and say, Abba, Father. Cry out to God and you will be saved. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never done that and you want to do that today, everyone's eyes are closed and I'm just going to ask you, just raise your hand and I would love to lead you through a prayer. I want you to leave this place knowing that you are in right standing with God. You are in right standing with your heavenly Father who loves you. And if that's you, just place your hand in the air. We're not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you this morning. Amen. Thank you. I see your hand. Amen. I see your hand. Is there anyone else this morning? Okay, if you've raised your hand this morning, I would just love for you to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for rising again and ascending back to heaven where I know you're interceding for me. you forgiveness I ask you forgiveness for all of my sins all of my transgressions 
I turn away from that life and I turn towards you. I receive you as my Lord and Savior this morning. I accept you into my heart and I choose, I choose to be in a loving relationship with my Heavenly Father once again. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. From this day forward, be the Lord of my life. Amen. As you guys keep your eyes bowed, we're going to give thanks to the Lord for those who accepted Christ in a minute, but just, just prepare your hearts. I'm going to invite you forward to, to come and participate in communion and just like you to examine your heart. The only thing that would disqualify you from having communion this morning according to scripture is having hate in your heart against another person. It's the Lord's will for you to let go of that hate, repent of that hate, and come to the table. Come to the table. Receive all of Christ this morning. Receive all of Christ this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We take this communion this morning as a representation of your body, your body that was beaten and broken in our behalf. We know that it was by your stripes that we are healed and we receive that healing today. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Lord, as we take this cup, we recognize it was your blood, your blood that was shed for us, your blood that washes white as snow. And as we take this cup this morning, we say, Jesus, cleanse us. Cleanse us. White as snow again this morning. We receive the victory cross. Thank you, Lord. Can I ask you to please stand? Thank you, Lord. The way we do communion here is we come and we and we get we get bread and we get some juice and then we like to gather with other people. And this morning I would like for you to just give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for what he's done for you and as you guys have given thanks and someone can lead the prayer or whatever like you guys to take communion together because that's how communion was meant to be taken right in community before our father and so you guys can come down the middle aisle here and just break your way out that way um, and then gather together and have communion we'll worship jesus with one last song and then you hope you guys will all enjoy your easter sunday so please come forward oh there's a a gluten-free option here in the middle Sunday. 
Uh, don't forget to fellowship after. We have tons of amazing stuff for you guys to go eat and get connected with someone. Uh, if you have experienced salvation today, if you received Christ, please set, let someone know about it. And also, don't forget to sign up with me for um, uh, baptism next week. So. definitely went way over time. Please go get your kids as soon as possible. Uh, we love you. Have a great Sunday. Bye.